Um, I, uh, I have a cold. I'm fighting a cold this morning. You might notice I'm sweating for no reason. Um, and uh, so <clears throat> I just want to let you know, that's why I'm going to just kind of sit here and chill. I almost didn't come today. I had sent my notes over to Joel and asked him to be ready to preach for me. Uh, but I'm going to try. And if I start to pass out, I'm just going to tag in Joel and, uh, and he'll take over. He's got all my notes and is prepared to preach it probably better than I would anyway. And um, so I'm going to hang right here on this stool and share this message with you today. The good news for you is um, when I'm all drugged up to deal with a cold, like th- th- there's less predictability about what I say. And uh, so this could be really entertaining today. Um, and uh, so, but I have an excuse. So if I say anything like way off color or messed up, then it's the medicine. All right. So, uh, so I've got a good excuse. Y'all know I used to live in Cecil County. I've lived, lived in Cecil County, Maryland a couple different times. How many Cecil County people we have in the house? All right. So you also know that I occasionally like to poke fun at Cecil County uh, because if you've been to the Cecil County Fair, it's easy to poke fun. All right. And um, so I'll, or Walmart. That's right. If you are bored and broke, just go to Walmart about 10 o'clock at night and watch people. It's incredible. It is awesome. Uh, so I have a Cecil County joke this morning. Can I do that without offending anybody? Yeah, y'all remember Bubba? We talked about Bubba once before. He works at the gas station out there in Port Deposit, and the guy pulled off the road and and was trying to get directions down to Perryville. He says, "What's the quickest way to Perryville?" And Bubba says, "Are you walking or are you driving?" The guy says, "I'm driving." Bubba says, "That's the quickest way." All right, so so but I have I have a new one for you. I got another one. I have another one for you. All right, so Bubba and his wife, man, they had like five kids. He's done. He's ready to be done having kids and. And so he went to his local doctor there, and, and he said, Doctor, I heard you've got a procedure uh, that, that I can go through. By the way, this one, this is edgy, all right? This is borderline, all right? So he says, I heard you've got a procedure that where I can stop having kids anymore. And, uh, and the doctor said, yeah, that's a, a vasectomy, and uh, you, could, you could have one of those done, but I'm going to tell you right now, because you are from Cecil County, uh, when you go see the surgeon, he's going to tell you to... Uh, get a small coffee can, a couple cherry bombs, throw them inside, light the fuse, and count to 10. And uh, <clears throat> he said, Doctor, that, that doesn't make any, I don't understand anything that you just said to me. Send me to the specialist. I want to go see the specialist, find out how to get this surgery done. So he went to the specialist, and uh, the doctor said, so, so you're interested in a vasectomy? He said, yep, that's what I want. I'm done having kids. I don't want to have any more kids, and, and uh, I want that surgery. And then the doctor started looking at his chart, and he said, oh, 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 I see here you're from Cecil County. We've got to do this a different way. We've got a special routine for guys from Cecil County. You need a small coffee can, a couple cherry bombs, light the fuse, throw them inside, count to 10. And the guy said, I, 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 this is crazy. This, Bubba said, this doesn't make any sense to me at all. I, why would I light cherry bombs and throw them in a coffee can? I, I'm going to go get a second opinion. So he, he called up somebody over here at Christiana Hospital. He drove over to Christiana and saw another specialist. said, I came for a second opinion. I'm, I don't want to have any more kids. The doctor said, oh, you want a vasectomy? He said, yes, that's what I want. I want a vasectomy. I don't want to have any more children. Doctor started looking at his chart. He said, oh, I see here you're from Cecil County. We've got a special way for Cecil County people to have a vasectomy. You need two cherry bombs, a small coffee can, light the fuse, throw it inside, count to 10. So Bubba, he finally said, I've seen three doctors. They've all told me the same thing. I guess this is what has to happen. And so here's my coffee can. Bubba goes home. He gets two cherry bombs and throws them in the coffee can, lights the fuse. He says, one, two, three, four, five. Six, seven, eight. <laughs> I told you it's borderline, all right? 
That was inappropriate. All right. Cecil County people, you love me. You know you do. <laughs> I'm going to make it up to you because I'm going to talk about horses a lot in the message today. So it's going to be all good. All right. So we're in, we're in week two of a short series, a three-week series called Just Words. We're talking about the power of words, the words that we speak, and how they have the power to create life or to create death. And let me just share some words with you from, from my heart before we get into this this morning. I just feel like I need to, to remind you all and just tell you how much fun it is and what an honor it is for my family and I to be your pastors and lead this incredible group of people. And, um, and uh, this has been, uh, the last couple years of our life have, have been the most fulfilling uh, in our 12 years of marriage. And, um, and it's because of all of you. We have more authentic relationships than we've ever had before. We're excited about what God is doing. We just keep seeing miracle after miracle after miracle happen. And uh, so it, I'm, I'm just honored to be a part of that. I hope you feel that too. I hope you feel some sense of excitement about where God is taking us as a church and, uh, and what God is accomplishing here. It's been pretty cool to be a part of. So, so we've got a theme scripture that we, we started out with last week. It comes from Proverbs 18, 21. It says, the tongue can bring death or life. And I love the way that the New Living Translation says this. Those who love to talk. How <laughs> I many know somebody who loves to talk? Don't elbow the person next to you. That's not nice. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. And, the, and so the, the challenge to this series is to make sure that each and every one of us are people, our families, and that we're a church that chooses to speak life and chooses to speak words of life over choosing to speak words of death. And so what we're going to do today is kind of, um, if you go through the 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 study of, of how to preach or go to Bible college, different things. There's different types of messages that you can preach. And I'm more of a, what they would call a topical preacher. I really like to, to take a topic and uh, find all the scripture in the Bible around that topic and build a message that way. Um, there, there are guys that all have different styles and different preferences. But today what we're going to do is, is something that's kind of a little bit more expository in nature. Uh, and, and so what that would mean is we take one passage of scripture and just kind of work our way through it. And look at all the things that are in there. And so we're going to go to James chapter 3, which is the longest single discourse. It's James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. It's the longest discourse on words and communication in the Bible. And so we're going to go through all 12 verses, break that down really quick. And what I want to show you, last week we talked about the truth about words, that, uh, that words last, words hurt, uh, words cost, um, and today what we're going to do is, is look at some amazing facts about words. And here's why you need to make sure you're here next week for the wrap-up on this series. Because usually, we try to give you a takeaway at the end of each message, all right? So like last week, we would say, hey, words cost, words hurt, words last. But here's what you can do to go uh, be more effective in the way you speak. Well, we didn't really give you a takeaway, and it's on purpose. And there's really not a takeaway today. That's because next week's message is about how to get the Holy Spirit involved with fixing this crazy thing called our tongue and our mouth. And so the whole takeaway is next week. So you got to make sure you get the whole series in all three parts so that you've got the what to do with the information afterwards, all right? So, so we're going to look at James 3, longest discourse in the Bible on words. And let's start out at verses 1 through 3. It says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says. Now, this is a powerful, powerful sentence right here. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man. 
able also to bridle his whole body. Now, did you catch that? Did you catch what he said right there? If you, he basically said, if you could control your tongue, you would be perfect. If you could control the words that come out of your mouth, you have an opportunity to be perfect. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. So think of all the temptations, all the lusts of the flesh that you and I deal with, whether it's food and overeating or dieting and exercise or, <clears throat> or pornography or um, uh, some sort of addiction or whatever it is. The, the Bible says that if we could get the tongue under control, we would have enough power to control everything else in our lives. That's how big of a deal the words we speak are. That's how big of a deal the tongue is. That's pretty powerful, don't you think? Pretty crazy. I was kind of blown away when I read that. James says, in, in other words, James says, if you can get your tongue fixed, you can get your body fixed. If you can get your words right, you've got an opportunity to get everything else right. And, and, uh, and so, and listen, this isn't just, this doesn't just apply to the way we talk about others or the way we talk about our church. I, I would venture to say some of us wake up, look in the mirror every morning, not terribly happy with what we see. And even internally, you're speaking words of death about your own life instead of words of life. And, uh, and you're, you're, you're killing yourself. You know that Satan's strategy is to get you to kill yourself because he can't hurt you. Now I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm going to preach through that here in just a minute. So we're going to look at what I think are four pretty amazing facts about the tongue from James chapter 3. And here's the first one. It's, it's that the tongue is disproportionately powerful. The tongue is disproportionately powerful. We see it in verses 3 through 5. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they're so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And we talked about that last week. How many of you have said things, and after you said them, it turned into something bigger than you ever anticipated that it would be? I mean, it turned into an all-out, you were just, you were making a joke, and it turned into an all-out war. Why? Because there was a forest there, and you didn't know the forest was there, and your words were a spark that lit that thing up. So here's what I want you to do today. In all of these points, especially if you're using the written notes that we handed you when you came in, you can follow along on version as well, but if you're doing the written notes, what I want you to do is you're going to fill in the blank for a word there. In this case, it was powerful, but I think you should circle the word before it because what makes this message work today is the adverb, all right? It's the word that describes. It's not just that the tongue is powerful, it's that the tongue is disproportionately powerful. It's a very small thing. It's a very small part of the body with the ability and the power to affect Almost everything else in our lives. Very small, but also very powerful. If you know anything about horses, Cease County. All right, if you know anything about if you know anything about horses, I'm actually quite comfortable around livestock and farm animals. I, I grew up in a, in a south of Kansas City, Missouri, and uh, so it was totally normal for a Saturday afternoon to like go meet up with buddies and uh, roundup cattle or something. I mean, it's just, you know, it was kind of the environment I grew up in. And, um, I've got pictures, man, where I had like boots and big belt buckles and it's, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. But, uh, 
But if you know anything about horses, you know that there is a, a and I know we have several people in our church who are, you're, you're big time horse people, like ride professionally and, and different things. And so, you know, if you know anything, you've got this very small piece of metal that goes in the horse's mouth and affects the tongue. And with this very small thing, you can direct all the power and the direction of a 1,000, 1,200-pound animal. You can make that animal do, once it's broken, once it's trained, you can make that animal do almost anything you want by putting just this very small piece of metal on the horse's tongue. And, and so here's, here's the deal. The tongue is disproportionately powerful. So many of us, have you've gone through like our growth track here at True Life Church, and, and you've done what we call Discovery 301, where you, we take you through a personality profile and a gifts assessment, and, and the idea is to help you figure out what God has uniquely and specifically wired you up to do, and, and how you're gifted in ways that maybe other people aren't, and how you can connect that to serving in the local church. But here's the thing. If we can't control our tongues, we... We can't control the gifts and the talents and the strengths that we have. Without that bridle, without that piece on a horse, I can't control the weight and the power and the direction of the horse. And many of us, we've got great gifts, great talents, great strengths that could be used for the kingdom of Christ, but our tongues are, are so out of control, we haven't been broken. We haven't laid things down at the foot of the cross and, and invited the Holy Spirit to come in and lead us and bridle us. And so your tongue can control all of your strength and your direction. You say, I don't really believe that, Michael. Show it to me in the Bible. I would love to. Look at James chapter 1, verse 26. He says, this is strong. Listen to the language here. If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. And some translations say that your religion is, is of no use to God. So, in other words, I can be completely saved, have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and be of no use to the kingdom. Now, I don't want that to be me. How many of you want to be used by the kingdom of Christ? How many want God to use your life to do something? I do. So I think a big piece of that, man, is we've got to understand that the tongue is disproportionately powerful. He says our service to God is useless without a controlled tongue. Look at the word pictures he's creating in those verses. He talks about a horse, a ship. You've got a huge ship that you can control the direction of that boat with a small rudder in the water. Something very small controls the direction of, and the strength of the whole vessel. In fact, I want you to think about this. If you know anything about navigating, being out on the water, being in a boat, and, and the waves get rough or a storm comes up, you know that it's incredibly important to have that boat pointed in the right direction when there's a storm. Because if you don't hit the wave right, if you don't hit the wave head on, there's a really strong chance that your boat is going to capsize and you're going to have a lot of problems. Isn't it interesting that if you point a ship in the wrong direction during a storm, you capsize? And it, so here's the thing. You know when our tongues tend to be the most out of control is when we're facing a storm in life. When we're facing some issues that we don't know how to handle. And I want to tell you that that is when it's most important that we speak words of life over our families, over our circumstances, over our situation, because we've got to point the ship in the right direction during a storm. Otherwise, we might capsize. And he paints the picture of a forest fire. When I, I lived in Florida for several years, and, and I know wildfires can happen everywhere, but down there, it's like a major issue every year. You have two seasons. You have the rainy season, you have the dry season. 
And, uh, and during the dry season, if the rainy season wasn't rainy enough, the dry season becomes extremely dangerous. And I remember one year, uh, like, like a half mile from our house, somebody had flipped a cigarette out the window and hit the brush, and this, this wildfire just took off, was going crazy. And, and our whole, you'd walk outside, and it was like somebody had just turned on a giant fog machine. You couldn't see anything, it was, and it smelled horrible. Uh, it was just smoke everywhere. Homes are in danger. Uh, roads were, sh- I remember I-95 was shut down for several miles because this fire was potentially going to cross over the road, and there was smoke nobody could see. You've always got car accidents. You've got all these crazy things that happen when there's a forest fire. And uh, if you go back to that area now where that fire happened, still it's several years later, you would see just this, just miles of blackened nothing where it just burned up and it's dead. And that's what our tongues have the ability to do. We can spark something. We can light a fire with our words. And because words are so powerful and they can last so long, if we're not speaking words of life, we can start fires, man. And, and, and for years, it can be there can be death, and it can be desolate and empty from the things that we, that we attacked. All right, so words, our tongue is disproportionately powerful. Number two, the tongue is inherently evil. Remember, circle that adverb, inherently. It's not just that the tongue is evil, it's inherently evil. Prove it, okay? Verses six through eight. And the tongue is a fire. I mean, look how strong the words are here. A world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, straining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and setting on fi- and set on fire by hell. What? That's crazy. For every kind of beast and bird of rep- of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil, full of deadly poison. So let me just say it to you this way. The default setting for our tongues is evil. We're born, some of us more gifted than others. I was hanging out with my friend Tim yesterday. We were talking about this. Some of us are more gifted than others. I'm one of those guys. If I'm not careful, I can just slice and dice with my words. And I've had to learn to let the Holy Spirit bring me into check on that so that I'm not just tearing people down instead of speaking words of life. It's inherently evil. We're born with an evil tongue. The default setting is evil. He, ha, ha, prove that. How do we prove that the default setting on the tongue is evil? Well, just in your own mind right now, this might be really painful for some of you, but just rewind back to middle school, junior high, and think about some of the words that you heard during that season of your life. And I rest my case. Arrest my case, because every possible comment about the way you look, talk, dress, act, where you live, uh, I, I can even go all the way back to elementary school for me, because I came from kind of a, a, a poor house, a poor family, when my family got started out. My mom did a great job, worked very hard, it's not that way now, but I remember going to elementary school wearing clothes that she made for me, like went to Walmart, got the fabric, got a pattern, sewed them on the sewing machine, and some of them were hideous. I didn't know any different. I had no sense of style. I still don't. But, <clears throat> but I mean, it was, it was bad. Like, like, nobody wants to wear, it looked like pajamas sometimes. You know what I'm saying? But that's what we could afford. And, and so I remember other kids talking about what I was wearing. And uh, you know what? 
don't, don't, let me just say this. Some of us are holding on to things from our past and it's an excuse for the way you behave now. Stop it. Knock it off. All right. Jesus redeemed you. The curse is broken. Uh, we're free. God has a greater purpose, a greater call for your life. What people have said to you in your past doesn't define you. What Jesus Christ says about you defines you. And he calls you his son, his daughter, his child. And he has great things in store for us. Uh, but I, I still remember, I can go back to those years and and guess what? It, all those kids, man, that was the default setting on our tongues was evil. So the tongue is inherently evil. Let's move on to the third one. The tongue is humanly untamable. The tongue is humanly untamable. Look at verses 7 through 8. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature, we just read it, I want you to read it again, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind but no human being. Now, just pause for a second. Notice that he used two different words, mankind in verse 7, human being in verse 8. That's what the translators, the reason the translators didn't use the word mankind twice is because there were two different Greek words here to describe it. And I think the reason why the writers did it is because both of those words put an emphasis on this being gender neutral. So I think it's possible that even in Bible times, there were stereotypes um, about who was more likely to sin with the tongue. Uh, you know, we have that today, all right? Some people would say that men or women, one or the other, tend to be uh, more, more loose with the tongue and how we talk, and this, this people group tends to gossip more than the other. And now let me just say that the scriptures here seem to go out of the way to suggest that both of us <laughs> can mess up in this area, and both of us should be careful about it. Amen? Somebody should be saying amen to that. Amen. I've heard, I worked in a sales office with a bunch of guys, and I heard more gossip there than I heard any time I hung out with a group of ladies. So I think we might actually be worse at it. Um, yeah, so so, for, so so no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. It can't be tamed. It cannot be tamed by human power. That's the big piece. That's the bad news. The bad news is, here's the bad news today. You ready? This is as bad as it's going to get today, so you can handle this. You can't tame your own tongue. You can't do it. That's the bad news. Here's the good news. You want some good news? Come on, you with me. You want some good news? All right, good news. It can be tamed by God. The Holy Spirit can tame our tongues. It is divinely tameable. The one who made it can tame it. Should put that in a rhyme. Can I go with my rap name? My rap name, by the way, is Two Saved. All right, the guys told me that's my name when I said that one day. All right, that's my hip hop name. I'm cutting a record later. Later on in the year, I'll let y'all know when it's out. Two Saved, and I'm, that's going to be in my one of my songs right there. If he made it, he can tame it. All right, the one who made it can tame it. So, so take notice of that. Look at look at Exodus chapter four verses ten through twelve. It's Moses here, and I love this piece of scripture because Moses had this problem. He's had this burning bush experience. God has called him to lead his people out of Egypt. He says, oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent either in the past or since you've spoken to your servant. But I'm slow of speech and of tongue. You know what he's saying there? Moses is saying, hey, God, before I met you at the burning bush and had this encounter with you, I was a I was a really bad talker. I was really bad at speech. I wasn't eloquent. I don't put words together that well. And even after I met you and had this divine encounter with you, I'm still the same. I still am not good at this. I'm still not eloquent. All right. Now check this out. I want you just to think about this because how many of us 
we've met Jesus Christ, and then we found ourselves frustrated because something in our lives that we thought would change when we met Jesus Christ didn't change after we met Jesus Christ. That's what Moses is saying here. I met God, and I'm still bad at this. I can't lead people. I can't even talk. Then the Lord said to him, who's made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. You want to know why those things in our lives sometimes stay the same after we meet Christ? Because God is waiting for us to say, God, go with me and teach me what to say. God, go with me and show me how to do what it is you're calling me to do. I'm, I'm still the same guy. I'm still a mess. I'm, I'm still susceptible to the same issues, the same sins, the same problems. But God, if you show up in my life and you'll teach me what to say and you'll teach me how to act and you'll teach me what to do, I can accomplish anything that you call me to. Come on, that should be liberating for somebody this morning. There's an opportunity for real change in our lives when we realize that God is willing to go with us and teach us how to handle whatever comes into our path. So when the Holy Spirit was sent in Acts chapter 2, this is where the, the New Testament church is birthed. What was the first thing that changed? Anybody know? Holy Spirit descends, they get little things of fire on their head, and what do all the guys in the upper room begin to do? Speak in different tongues. Isn't it interesting that one of the most controversial topics in the church today surrounds the very first thing that changed when the New Testament church was born? The tongue was, was affected first. The Holy Spirit showed up and immediately took control of the tongue. That's powerful stuff. Now, there are entire denominations who are built on this idea that, that, that speaking in tongues is the only way that we know somebody's been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm just telling you, doctrinally, I don't, I, don't think that's, I don't think that's accurate. I don't think that's correct. But I will say that if it's in the Bible, it's, it probably still exists today. And so we shouldn't seek any one gift over another. We shouldn't prioritize any one spiritual gift over another. But if it happened then, it can probably still happen today. I mean, how crazy would that be? Like you're trying to witness to somebody who speaks another language and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit does it for you. That'd be awesome. Make sure you YouTube that if that happens to you. Want to see that? Keep your video camera handy, all right? So, and it's, I just think it's interesting that the very first thing that changed is now become one of the things that's most controversial in the church today. And I think it's because a lot of us are freaked out by the idea of losing control of our tongues and giving it to somebody else. The Holy Spirit wants to be in control of the tongue. A lot of us don't like the idea of anybody else being in control of anything in our lives, especially not what we speak, what we say. The only way, check this out, the only way that you can change your tongue is to submit it to the Holy Spirit. And that's the big takeaway next week, all right? This is all, I know the first week and this week, kind of heavy, talking about some, some truths and some facts about what our tongues can do. Next week is like the big light of shining hope because we're going to show you how the Holy Spirit wants to work in you and through you, partner with you to turn you into a person that speaks words of life. So got to come back for that. But I want to I show you something. Hell wants to occupy our mouths. Hell wants to occupy our mouths. Did you know that Satan can't hurt you? Like if you've given your heart to Jesus, Satan cannot hurt you. That was a great place for an amen, by the way. Let me try. Let me just rewind. All right. If you give your heart to Jesus Christ, Satan can't hurt you. Amen. What is? Is it because I'm sick and dreary that y'all are you all emulating me this morning? Is that the deal? 
Come on. If Jesus is in you, Satan can't hurt you. All right, there we go. All right, that's better. All right. Thank you. That's good. <laughs> that's good. All right. <laughs> it's good enough. All right. Satan can't hurt you, but here's Satan's strategy. You ready? He will try to get you to turn your mouth against yourself and against the body of Christ. And he'll try to get you to kill yourself and others with the tongue, with your words. So think about this. Every time we speak, every time you and I say a word, we're either aligning ourselves with heaven and eternal life or hell and eternal death. Because life and death are in the power of the tongue. I want to be a person that brings life everywhere I go, that speaks words of life. Come on, how many of y'all want to encounter that? You want that to be who you are? Come on, give me, give me something there. Give me an amen or something, anything. All right. Adrenaline helps, all right? It helps me get through this. I'm sweating. I don't even know why I'm sweating. All right. All right. It's not that. I'm not even going to repeat that one. That's worse than my Cecil County joke. All right, number four. Here's the last one. The tongue is, remember, circle the adverb. The tongue is contrastingly productive. Contrastingly productive. We see it in verses 9 through 12. But no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be. And you can insert sisters there as well. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Blessing and cursing out of the same mouth. Let me just illustrate this for you the best way I know how. One moment, in fact, some of us will fall into this trap before the day ends. Just like Peter did. Remember Peter hanging out with Jesus? And, and, and <laughs> he got a little bit arrogant, actually, because Jesus said, Somebody's going to betray me. Somebody's going to deny me. And Peter, imagine being one of the other disciples, how this must have felt. Peter goes, Jesus, even if all these other jokers deny you, I won't. I'm going to follow you even to death. Mildly arrogant, maybe, (laughs) on Peter's part. I mean, all these other guys have followed Jesus just as long. And he says, hey, even if all of them turn into backsliders and hypocrites, Jesus, I will hold it together. Don't worry, I got it. What's Jesus do? He looks at him and says, Peter, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And he does. It happens. So, so in one moment, Peter was trying to bless. He's trying to say, Jesus, I'm with you. The next moment, he's, he's cursing, claiming that he doesn't know who Jesus is. Some of us can, will fall victim to this before the day's over if we're not careful because you spent the morning hands up, mouth open, God, I love you. From the inside out, oh my soul, singing to God, blessing God with all your might, with all your power. And before lunch ends, some of us will talk about how much we don't like someone else. Blessing and curse. God, I love you, I love you, but I can't stand that guy. And Jesus is going, no, 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 no. I died for them too. I called you to love them. To serve, 
to serve them. Blessing and cursing out of the same mouth. He says, brothers, sisters, it shouldn't be that way. Remember that the adverbs are what's been important here. We could have just said the tongue is powerful, but it's, it's not just that the tongue is powerful, it's, it's disproportionately powerful. It's a small thing with huge power. We could just say the tongue is evil, but we're born with it evil. It started that. That's the default setting. We could say that the, that the tongue is untamable, but it's not just untamable. It's divinely tameable. If we allow the Holy Spirit into our lives, He can tame it. He can make us into who He wants us to be. And finally, the tongue is always producing something. Listen to me. Every word you speak, you are producing something. And it contrasts from life to death. True Life Church... Choose life, man. Let's choose life when we speak. Let's choose life in the words that we speak over our families and our kids and our wives. Wives, speak words of life over your husband. He needs to hear it. He needs to hear that you're proud of him. You know, one of the greatest things has been for me, while I'm like doing this whole running thing, trying to get in shape, you know who the first person is to high-five me and tell me how proud they are and how much they love me the next morning? My wife, man. She's like, I'm going to get, she says this, don't, I'm probably going to get in trouble. She's like, I'm going to get hot Mikey back. I'm like, that's right, baby. You better just be ready. <laughs> She's at home with my sick daughter. I might have to just let Joel finish and I can head out and out of here. The tongue blesses and curses. God, I love you. I need you. You're so great. But boy, I can't stand that person. What an idiot. Man, we can't do that. That can't be us. True Life Church, that's not for us. Come on. That's not who we are. Are you with me on that? Can we just say right now, that's not us. That'll never be us. All right. So here's how I want to close today. I, I, um, I read every once in a while just for the sake of <clears throat> getting a different point of view, a different perspective. I'll read the message translation of the Bible. Now, um, if you don't read the Bible at all, don't get freaked out over the details about which translation is best to read. Not a big fan of the newest version of the NIV that's come out. I think there are too many uh, changes there in an attempt to be culture neutral. Um, but I do like going into the message every once in a while just to get a different perspective. Don't recommend it for deep study because it's really hard to find the original Greek and Hebrew that attaches to the words in the message. But what I want to do is read all of these verses because I think it, it just says everything that we're trying to say today, sums it up real well. So we're going to read James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12 from the message together, and, uh, and then we're going to close this up, all right? It says, don't be in any rush to become a teacher, my friends. Teaching is highly responsible work. Teachers are held to the strictest standards, and none of us is perfectly qualified. We get it wrong nearly every time we open our mouths. If you could find someone whose speech was perfectly true, you'd have a perfect person in perfect control of life. A bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. A small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strong winds. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke, and go up in smoke with it 
Smoke right from the pit of hell. That's not strong at all. This is scary. I agree. You can tame a tiger, but you can't tame a tongue. It's never been done. The tongue runs wild, a wanton killer. With our tongues, we bless God our Father. With the same tongues, we curse the very men and women he made in his image. Curses and blessings out of the same mouth. My friends, this can't go on. A spring doesn't gush fresh water one day and brackish the next, does it? Apple trees don't bear strawberries, do they? Not unless you live in a land with unicorns. Raspberry bushes don't bear apples, do they? You're not going to dip into a polluted mud hole and get a cup of clear, cool water, are you? Come on, isn't that good? Isn't that great? Come on, how many want to speak words of life? Don't you want to, you know, we want to be a life-giving church. We want to, you want to know why so many people have a hard time with, with organized religion? And, and I was talking with somebody yesterday about a person who's just frustrated, doesn't, doesn't want to be a, a part of it. Because, because for too long, we've made it about the lists of do's and don'ts. We're, we're really good at cursing the darkness and really bad at shining a light on it. And, you know, we can shine a light in the darkness with the words we speak. We have an opportunity to do that, church. And that's my challenge to you. That's my challenge to each and every one of us. Let's be people who speak words of life. So this is, this is kind of heavy stuff, right? This has been heavy stuff. But it's good news. Because you can choose life. And when we choose life, guess what happens? Guess what life produces? More life! That's really deep, isn't it? Life produces more life, and we can actually create a culture where there's so much life, there isn't any room for death. I just was, I was talking about my wife already. I got ahead of myself in my notes, but man, she does that for me. She's always encouraging me. She said to me the other day, after coming back, you know, she had missed a lot of church after we had our son, um, having a newborn around, and, and, um. My wife used to hate missing church like when we lived in Florida because she loved hearing the, our pastor there speak. And, and she was watching some services online. And um, she said something to me that just built me up so much. She said, you know what I miss most about church? And I said, what? She said, I miss hearing you talk. Like I've grown to love your preaching and it, I always feel full and fed. Now, she might totally be lying, I don't, but it made me feel really, really Really good. I mean, those were words of life that built me up, that made me feel better, made me feel stronger. My wife has done that for me. You need to be that for someone else. And I don't mean like just in a romantic relationship. We need to speak words of life over each other. I've been working on our, uh, on our lawn, <clears throat> and um, it's not going as well as it did last year. I don't know what's happening. I've got lots of brown patches. I think I put down too much weed and feed. Anyway... Um, I, I'm kind of into that. I just like for my grass to look good. I like for the lawn to look good. And my, um, my father-in-law is, he's like hardcore. Like he, he, he's a landscaping guy, owns his own business. He's been in that business for years. And so you pull up to his house and it is the most meticulous man. I mean, just everything's a perfect straight edge. All the grasses. I'm pretty sure he goes out there with like a plane of some kind and like make sure that all the grass is perfectly level and, uh, I mean, just, I mean, it's, it's immaculate, his whole yard, all the landscaping, perfect, all right, absolutely perfect. And he said something to me one time that I will never forget. 
And it wasn't even a spiritual statement, but it was like the Holy Spirit immediately just revealed something to me when he said it. He said to me, do you know what the best way is to keep weeds and things out of your lawn that don't belong there? I said, probably like a chemical or fertilizer. And he said, actually, it's not, it's not a weed killer. It's not a chemical. None of that stuff. He said, the best way to keep weeds out of your yard is have a lawn that's so healthy there's no room for any of them to find a place to grow. And you know what I want, guys? You know what I want my family to be? I want it to be a place where there's so many words of life. There's so much life. It's so green. It's so healthy that there's not any room for any weeds to crop up. You know what I want True Life Church to be? I want it to be a church that's so healthy, so full of life, that there's not even room for death to creep in. There's not even room for words of death to to pop up and, and to creep up. Let's just make a decision in our lives, in our families, everywhere we go, that we want that to we want it to be so healthy, so lush, so green, so full of life that there's no room for anything else. Come on, is that a good prayer for us to pray together? Can we believe for that together? So my challenge to you today is this. Guys, you can come. Fill your vocabulary with life. Fill your home with words of life. Let's fill our church with life and make it so full and so healthy that there's not room for anything else to show up. Amen? Would you close your eyes with me this morning? We're going to pray.